And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. Welcome to the show this morning, as it is, of course, uh, Tuesday as we get uh, today underway. Yesterday, a very big rally in the market. So that was that was kind of a good thing because things were getting kind of scary there for a minute. Uh, you know, we were talking about the fact that we uh, were getting very close to the 200-day moving average and that it was important that we tried to hold on to that. And, and that's exactly what we did yesterday. So again, you know, kind of very important here that Markets continue to kind of hold on to where we are. So as we approach Halloween, of course, this is going to be kind of the, the big moment, right? So once we get closer to Halloween, uh, that's where bank stocks and a, a lot of others can now start to buy back shares. And, and share buybacks are going to provide a bid for the markets here over the next couple of months. So again, as we talked about over the last uh, you know, few days, um, you know, we've done a couple of, of, of important things here in the market. First of all, you know, this correction so far this year has taken the markets down to the 200-week moving average. We talked about that in this past weekend's newsletter, which is on the website at realinvestmentadvice.com. Just click on the newsletter link. Uh, we talked about this 200-week moving average, which has been the bullish trend of the markets really since the financial crisis lows. And in fact, the only time that you actually get into a real bear market is when the 20-week uh, moving average crosses below the 50-week, and that hasn't happened yet. Um, the last time it happened was back in 2008, then in 1999. Of course, we have to go back. Um, but prior to that, markets have continued to, to adhere to this kind of bullish trend, and, and that didn't happen in 2020. When we had the the economy shut down very quickly, the market quickly rebounded above that. So it was a kind of a false break of that 200-week moving average. But here's also the important thing is that these breaks of the 200-day moving average only occur during recessions. And so again, doesn't mean it won't happen. It just hasn't happened yet. But importantly, yesterday, we bounced off of that 200-week moving average. So again, confirming that support for right now gives the market an opportunity here for a bit of lift. And we talked yesterday about the market being able to potentially run up here to about 3,900 to 4,000. That would not be a surprise really uh, much at all because again, when we take a look at where the market's currently trading, once the, and today's market open will get us above the 20-day moving average, that gives us plenty of room up here to about 3,900. There's really no resistance in there. So again, once we kind of move today, markets should get theoretically a little bit of momentum. Now, again, anything can happen. The Fed can come out and say something uh, between now and their next meeting in November, of course, and, and kind of shock the markets. You know. Another really hot inflation report could also be a problem. So again, there's some things that could kind of derail the rally. I don't want to completely dismiss that risk, but things are kind of getting to a point to where there's a potential upside here, at least in the near term. Again, a sellable rally, of course, to, to use that to raise cash and, and rebalance risk. But again, yesterday's action fairly broad across the board. Lots of short covering yesterday. Uh, clearly, um, you know, again, we have record put options. We've got uh, a large number of hedge fund managers that are holding a lot of cash. That's got to get put back to work. We've talked about that. So there's plenty of fuel here uh, for a rally here over the next few days. So 
Again, this is just one of the things to kind of pay attention to this morning. Dow futures are pointing up about 420, uh, 427 points right now. Uh, S&P futures up about 55, 60 points this morning. NASDAQ futures up over 200. So again, there's going to be another fairly strong rally open this morning, and that's good because, uh, again, we came down, tested support, rebound, uh, held that, and then it bounced off of it nicely. And this is, and if we can break above this 20-day moving average, which we'll do today, again, that kind of clears the way for this move back to 3,900. Potentially, uh, again, you know, this market could rally a lot more than that. You know, we saw that back here in June when we had this rally, had this idea the markets could rally back towards that 50-day moving average, got clearly above that, ran well up into uh, actually touching the 200-day moving average, which is currently right now around 4,100. So that's, you know, plenty of room here for markets to operate. So again, we've talked about here recently, you know, this market will grind you until you make an investment stake by starting to try to sell bottoms. And then you get these very vicious rallies. And, and again, we're going to have that type of a rally. That won't be a surprise. But don't get suckered into that being the bottom of the bear market. Already reading an article this morning talking about, oh, the bottom's in. It's not in. This bottom of the market won't be in until the Fed stops hiking rates. And again, when you take a look at where we are currently with the market, um, we've got almost three and a half basis percent of rate hikes, right? We've already had, you know, three rate hikes of 75 basis points. We'll have a fourth coming in, in November. None of those rate hikes have shown up in the economy until next year. Earnings recession is still coming. We're about three months into an earnings slowdown. That's going to be recessionary. Earnings recessions last on average 12 to 16 months. So again, there's a lot of revaluation this market still has to do. And with the market's only down about 24% from the peak, there's more to go. There's still a lot of expensive valuation in the markets across multiple measures. We're still trading in roughly the 75 percentile or higher ranges of overvaluation for the market, depending on various metrics. So again, as, as you know, we're not through this yet. We're having a nice reflexive bear rally. Use it to raise some cash, rebalance risk. Likely going to have some more downside risk. Probably we'll see the low early next year. That'll probably be the bottom of the market as we actually start to recognize the recession and just how deep it'll be. And we start to see the Federal Reserve begin to reverse course on monetary policy. Stop hiking rates, starting to cut rates, stop uh, quantitative tightening, starting to do quantitative easing. When you see those things begin to reverse, that's going to be the time that we can say, oh, yeah, now the bottom of the market is in. But we're not there just yet. So be a little cautious here. As we've talked about, this is what bear markets do. Uh, at the bottom of bear markets, it puts so much pressure on you that you're just like, I just got to get out, right? I just, I got to get out. And this is the time you kind of got to gut through it and just say, I'm going to hold here until I get the rally. Use this rally to sell into, but this is where you're going to get trapped also because when this market starts to rally, you're going, maybe it'll go a little bit more. I'll just, I'm going to hold on here. It'll go a little bit more. And then very quickly, just like happened back in July and August, gives it all back up. It doesn't really ever give you a chance to, to sell on the way back down again. So again, this is how market, the bear markets trap you. They just, they pull you in, maul you really good, let you go, pull you back in, maul you really good. And finally, you're just going to give up and you know this is where uh, investors generally sell bottoms. So again, this is why you want to be real cautious here. So, a couple of things to get into this morning. Um, you know, earnings are coming in really well here, and we already started out with banks yesterday. And if we take a, you know, uh, bank stocks in general um, have been under a lot of pressure, 
And we saw yesterday quite a few of the major banks, uh, actually Thursday and Friday, uh, as well as, as yesterday, a lot of the major banks reporting very good earnings. And not surprising because net interest income is now picking up for these banks because the Fed's hiked rates. So they're getting a higher income on all these excess, these billions of dollars of excess reserves that are sitting in their excess reserve accounts. They're getting paid overnight interest rates on that to the tune of about $500, billion, uh, $500 million a day. So that's coming into them and they're not passing it on. Your money market rate hasn't gone up. So, you know, they're keeping that big spread between what they're paying out in money markets and what they're collecting in overnight reserves. So it's really contributing to, to bank stocks earnings. They've been under a lot of pressure here. Um, likely some very decent upside in banks here over the course of, of this uh, kind of this recovery rally in the markets. Again, we're not out of the woods with them yet either, but we may see some, some good pickup in financial stocks as well as your growth oriented stocks like technology as those stocks which have higher growth rates and potential for higher growth rates in this environment will likely perform better. So just a couple of things to be looking at. All right, quick break. We're going to come back. Got a lot of stuff to get into this morning. So don't go away. More of The Real Investment Show coming right up. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Let's go, girls. What do women want when it comes to finances? Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special ladies' edition lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon. Get the most out of your Social Security benefits. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next ladies' lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday. Thursday, October 20th at noon with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. You know, there's always one, right? Always one. Always got to be that one party pooper out there somewhere. Halloween's coming up. Expected uh, So last year we spent, and we talked about this before, um, Halloween is one, of the, uh, is one of the largest shopping days of the year behind Christmas. Um, last year, customers spent about $1.2 billion on Halloween. Uh, the average family, you know, buys costumes and candy and, you know, pumpkins and decorations. And like I said, you know, my whole neighborhood's infested right now with 12-foot skeletons. Um, you know, so people go out and they spend a lot of money. And, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's for retail. It's a very big shopping day of, of the year. And it's, you know, it's, it's akin to like a Black Friday, no pun intended, right, being Halloween. Um, but there's always one, right? There's always this, this one person out there that's got a poo-poo on the whole parade and just kind of, you know. Nick Rui, assistant editor for the Union Street Journal. Pumpkins are threatening climate change because everybody is carving pumpkins to put outside and those go into landfills and, you know, it's, it's just, and, and, and when they rot, they create methane, which is contributing to climate change. Look, regardless of whether or not we're carving pumpkins, pumpkins are here. <laughs> so, you know, if we don't use them, 
they're going to go away. You know, but he also says, you know, we have a lot of wasted food, yeah. right? And, and this is, you know, part of this is due to public policy. Um, here in Houston is a good example of this. We have restaurants that throw away tons of food because they're not allowed to donate leftover food because of public policy. They're not, they're not allowed to donate leftover food to, you know, the food bank or homeless shelters or go distribute it on street corners to homeless people. So it all gets thrown away and there's nothing they can do about it. So, yeah, that all goes to landfills. Now, you know, food rots and goes away very quickly. In fact, pumpkins deteriorate very fast and go back to just seeds, which grow more pumpkins, by the way. Um, <laughs> but... Always got to be one. Just look, it's, it's Halloween. Can we have a little bit of fun on Halloween? That's the, I'll look, I'll look forward to Halloween every year. I dress up, you know, give out candy to kids. I mean, it's, it's a fun time of year. It's, it's, let's just, we've had enough crap this year with everything else that's going on, inflation, everything else. We need a little break here. We need a little fun for Halloween. So Nick, you just go sit in your house and turn off your lights and be a bah humbug and Get, you know, get with it, Nick. I mean, no, it's, no, just, it's pumpkin spice methane. Exactly. Yeah. What are you going to do? Pumpkin bread, pumpkin spice, pumpkin... Yeah, everything. Pumpkin loaf, pumpkin pies. I mean... Pumpkin cookies. Exactly. Just... Just go back inside. Nick, 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 Nick. Always somebody. Anyway... Um, so, as I was talking about before the break, uh, futures are pointing up fairly sharply this morning. And the chase is on. And we've talked about this for the last ad nauseum. Seems like two weeks. We kept saying, hey, this market is really oversold. Record bearishness, blah, blah, blah. Going to get a rally here. So it looks like we've potentially started that. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was a very positive set of actions over the last few days. And it doesn't seem that way. Because, you know, we had this really sharp rally on Thursday following CPI, and then we gave up 2% of it on, on Friday. And everybody's like, well, this is a terrible market. And I was like, no, it's actually kind of bullish here because we came back down and we retested that support run that we had been and held it that we had been running on for about the last two weeks. Yesterday's rally kind of confirmed off that, and we get follow through today. Now, look, the markets aren't open yet. NASDAQ's up 205 right now, Dow's up 409. You know, so we're not there yet, right? We got to get the market open, but if we can open today, we'll open above the 20 day moving average. And look, the more that we move here, the more of that record short squeeze that we've got, you know, potential for is going to come in because there's so many people that are short the markets on, on a variety of levels, lots of index puts, et cetera, that all have to get covered. So that's going to help push these, these prices higher. And we're going to get the tailwind of earnings. Johnson & Johnson out this morning reporting decent earnings, actually beating estimates uh, 255 versus 247. This is going to be kind of the case. Now, earnings are still going to come down. But as, I've, as I wrote about in this past weekend's newsletter, you know, we're going to be facing earnings that aren't as bad as expected because we lowered estimates going into this quarter. And it's very likely that companies are, you know, again, we play we play this every quarter, right? We lower estimates, lower estimates, lower estimates until, you know, 60, 70, 80 percent of companies can beat them and go, oh, it's a great earnings season, right? It's like we just lower the bar. That's why we call it millennial earning earnings season. You know, everybody gets a trophy. All you got to do is show up and announce something. 
So, you know, this is this is what'll happen. And this is gonna give some this'll help buoy the markets here a bit, at least temporarily. But again, as I was saying in, in the open, you know, we're not past the hard part yet. Still have lots of rate hikes that haven't shown up in the economy. The economy's slowing down. Uh, top two concerns of invest uh, of individuals going to vote in midterms right now: the economy and inflation. Not surprising. The average 401k uh, balance is down thirty-five thousand dollars this year, and which is in line with the market. That's about twenty percent. Um, you know, but that that affects people, right? When they open up their 401k statements and they see the value of the retirement plans going down, causes angst, right? And and so people want to make, you know, they make emotionally big decisions and, and midterm elections coming up, people vote with their pocketbook. That's how they feel. So, you know, all these other things aside about, you know, climate change or whatever, right? When it really comes down to time to vote, people vote with their pocketbook. So it's economy, it's inflation. And inflation's not cooling off yet, right? So if we take a look at inflation, core inflation is still running fairly hot. Uh, again, that's going to change very quickly. And, and I thought it was interesting. Yesterday there was a press conference, and they, they asked the press secretary for the White House. They said, you know, when's the Inflation Reduction Act going to start showing effect? And she says, well, next year. She didn't say that clearly. She actually stumbled and mumbled around for a few minutes and said it should show up next year, but it will. And it'll have nothing to do with the Inflation Reduction Act because there's nothing in the Inflation Reduction Act that will actually reduce inflation. But the year-over-year comparisons are going to become so difficult here that inflation will come down. So they'll be able to claim victory that the inflation see the inflation reduction act is working no it's not it's just a function that high prices cure high prices and discretionary spending is getting eaten up right now by staples people are having to spend more stuff spend more money on the stuff they need just to pay bills so this is an, an important point that we need to pay attention to relative to where earnings are going to be going into next year um, as these rate hikes continue to come in. And again, the, the impacts of these hikes have not been felt in the economy yet. They're still coming. So as that occurs, things are going to get more challenging for investors and, I was, as I was, and, and for individuals, right? Just, just consumption and then most importantly, earnings. Earnings haven't come down enough to compensate for all these rate hikes. And so earnings are going to have to come down. We're going to have to get to the point that prices in the market start to value that. So there's already, already, I mean, we had one day rally and already we're having headlines out this morning that the bottom of the market is in. Yahoo Finance this morning um, actually talking about this. Um, I'll just read to you from that, uh, from from their uh, article this morning. Past performance is no guarantee of future results may be the most repeated disclaimer in the financial services industry. It's a warning to investors not to get too excited about what they think. That said, history is if history is any indication of what could come, the fall of 2022 could mark the end of what's been months of selling that sent the S&P 500 down 25% from its peak in January 3rd. Major market bottoms have occurred in October more than any other month. Now, it's true. Major market bottoms have occurred in October more than any other month. Question is, is whether we just formed a major market bottom. It's possible. I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's not possible. It's very possible. 
Can the markets look through another 3.5% of rate hikes, not including if the Fed hikes another 50 points in, in December and then say another um, you know, 25 or 50 points in 2023? If the Fed gets to 45 or 5% of the Fed funds rate, which is kind of their terminal Fed funds rate, 4.5%, if they get there, can the markets withstand that at current levels? Right? Can earnings withstand that? Can the consumer withstand that? If the consumer slows down, 70% of the economy is consumption, which is where earnings come from and revenue come from. Can markets price-wise hold these lows in October as the bottom? Sure, anything's possible. It's hard to suggest that's going to be the case, though, considering the financial situation that consumers are in at this moment. Now, what could change that? Well, the government could come in and send more checks to households. Right now, we're going to get more inflation, but you can sustain household consumption that way. The Federal Reserve could... Stop hiking rates. Maybe in November they come out and say, you know what, we changed our mind. We're not going to hike 75 basis points at all. We're going to actually not do anything. And then we're going to start cutting rates. Maybe the Fed will say that. Maybe the Fed, maybe the Fed could come out and say something like that. Maybe the Fed can say, you know what, we're, we're pretty convinced that inflation's peaked and we're done. So, yes, this, you know, we, maybe we did just see the bottom of the bear market. However... I would be reticent to, to bet on that at this point because of what's coming. Maybe next October will be the bottom. We'll see. I don't know. Right? Bear markets can last about 18 months. So I'd put us into June, July of next year. So are we there yet? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But again, just from a portfolio management standpoint, we treat this as a rally. We sell into this rally. We look for a pullback to figure out where we start adding new money. All right, quick break, come back, don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com let's go girls what do women want when it comes to finances join richard rosso and danny ratliff for a special ladies edition lunch and learn what women need from social security thursday october 20th at noon get the most out of your social security benefits register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next ladies lunch and learn what women need from social Social Security, Thursday, October 20th at noon with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. So I've often been asked about getting some merch for the show, right? And uh, I've come up with a new one today. So... Um, I'm going to start work on this. If you take a look at Bitcoin, 
Bitcoin has gone nowhere now since June. It's just been flatline. And so I was looking at a chart of Bitcoin this morning. And, and again, you just kind of look at it. It, it. it was declining. And in June, just kind of hit a low and just stuck there. And it's just been just trading sideways now, not going anywhere uh, since June. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to come out with a commercial. I'm going to run. I think I'm going to run this on, on CNBC. It it's, it's basically goes, you know, call 1-800-BIT-ALERT and we'll have like a guy laying on the ground and he's wearing a necklace that's got a Bitcoin on it. And, and you know, pretty much it's kind of like, you know, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. And, you know, call 100-BIT-ALERT. For just $9.99, you'll receive this free necklace. And when you push the button, it does absolutely nothing, kind of like Bitcoin. So, <laughs> so I'm going to make these necklaces yeah. that uh, just have a Bitcoin emblem and it's a button you can push. And BIT-ALERT. Yeah, it does nothing. I like it. Yeah, just it does nothing. We'll just we'll we'll just create the bit alert. It'll but just, you'll feel good about you'll feel, wearing it. You'll feel it. good about it, right? Maybe it lights up. <laughs> Red or green. <laughs> exactly. It says, <laughs> yeah, you, you punch it and it lights up and it says, dispose of your pumpkin properly. Uh, <laughs> that would be orange. Yeah, that'd be orange. <laughs> anyway, seriously though, it's uh Bitcoin's has had quite a few challenges this year. Um now we'll get to a serious topic. Uh, <laughs> there was an interesting article out this morning by Magnify Money, and I, and I thought it was interesting because it says 63% of Americans led by millennials are open to using a robo-advisor, which is an automated platform to manage your money. And, you know, I, I, what I thought was interesting uh, in particular is that the articles talking about the number of Americans that use a financial advisor and why they use a financial advisor or why they don't. And what was, what was interesting about the article, it says, reasons people don't have a financial advisor. Now, two in five, only two in five Americans have a financial advisor. So break that down. 60% of Americans do not have a financial advisor. And... I thought it was interesting when you look at the reasons they don't have a financial advisor, right? So why is it that 60% of Americans don't use a financial advisor? They're too expensive was 44% of the survey. 43%, they manage their own investments. 31% say they don't have enough assets yet. 17% said they, obviously people are answering, you know, I don't have enough assets and I do it myself, right? So this is how, it, these don't equal 100, so don't do the math in your car. 17% <laughs> they, they haven't found an advisor they like. 16% they're unable to find, uh, sorry, 16% say they're able to find plenty of free resources online. 12% say they don't trust financial advisors. And all I have to say is that they've done it to themselves. The, the financial advisory community has done this to themselves. And when I was growing up, my best friend was, was Steve Lehman and lived down the street from me, Steve and David. And their father was the only guy on the street that would walk out to the end of his street every morning with his kind of had his slippers on just kind of like leave it to beaver right leave it to beaver's dead had the had the little robe on the slippers walk down to the end of his drive pick up a copy of the wall street journal and everybody and you know and, and where i grew up 
that was a rare thing at the time. Guy had a stockbroker. It was kind of a sign of if you had a stockbroker back then, it was kind of a sign you were doing pretty well for yourself and, you know, we're, we're, we're doing things right. But back then, stockbrokers were enviable because, you know, when, you know when, when, when girls were growing up back then, you know, it was like, honey, when you grow up, you know, marry a doctor, a lawyer, or a stockbroker, right? <laughs> and today, it, it's don't marry any of those. They're all snakes, right? It's just, you know, go marry some guy doing computer technology. That's the, that's the one you want to marry. Um but the financial community has done this to themselves over the years. And what used to be an enviable profession and one that provided a real service to individuals has been, you know, mainstream to the point um, to where it provides no real value. And, and, and such is evidenced by you know, this drive, this consistent drive for lower and lower fees, right? And so the financial advisory community has really done a disservice to themselves by pushing things like passive indexing, right? Oh, just buy and hold, you know, just build a portfolio, you know, give us your money, we're going to charge you, you know, a fee, and we're going to build you this portfolio of ETFs, and you're just going to sit on them, and we'll rebalance them quarterly. And this is the same thing with robo-advisors, right? Robo-advisors, same way. I can do it online. I can use a robo-advisor, do this online. The robo-advisor will build me a basket of ETFs and rebalance them quarterly, and I can pay the robo-advisor a fee. But that requires no skill, right? That requires no, no value. You're not providing any value for that. And it's something that 43% of Americans say, I can do that myself. And they're absolutely right. There's plenty of free resources online. If you want to build a passive index portfolio... You can do that. And there's plenty of people that promote that. But it undermines the value of the financial advisory business and what comes from that. And, that, and that's why, you know, we focus so much here about financial planning and estate planning and all these other factors. There's more to, your, to building your financial net worth than just investing in the markets. Here's, here's a, I want you to take away one lesson from today, which is if you treat the markets like a casino, the markets are going to treat you like a casino. And the house always wins. And this is the problem for most people is that they think the only way to get rich is to they have to invest in the stock markets in order to build wealth. And this is what CNBC tells you, right? So CNBC has this whole relationship with acorns and they they try to tell you just oh you know invest in the markets and this is how you do if you just save this month in, this much in the markets over time you're gonna have this much when you retire and it's all gonna be great if you have a million dollars you can retire and it's just it's complete nonsense none of that's true but it's an easy promotion right it's, advertisers pay for it people want to watch it that's fine but it undermines the value of the financial advisory relationship, which is more than just investing. Investing is, and here's the lesson I want you to take away. Investing is only to grow your savings at the rate of inflation. 
In other words, the goal of investing is to protect the purchasing power parity of your savings in the future. In other words, your $50,000 today will buy $50,000 of value 20 years from now. Now, 20 years from now, that same $50,000 may, to, to buy that same $50,000, you may need $200,000 for that because of inflation. And see, this is what people miss. And, and, and they talk about, well, if you have a million dollars in the bank, you can retire. Well, back in 1980, that was true. Your cost of living was about $55,000 a year. And interest rates were 12% on treasuries. If I had a million dollars, I could generate plenty of money to live on in retirement back in 1980. Today... Median households are $250,000, not $55,000. You know, the, the, the world has changed, right? Things are a lot more expensive. So that same million dollars in 1980 does not buy the same million dollars of lifestyle today. You're going to need substantially more money than that to support your lifestyle today. And particularly, even at, even at 4% interest rates on the 10-year treasury, a million dollars only generates $40,000 a year. If you're, if you're you know, the, the break-even point for raising a family of four in the U.S. right now is about $65,000. So even a million dollars at 4% a year isn't going to cover a very basic median standard of living for a family of four. Then when you start talking about college and cars and houses and healthcare and all these other things, million dollars ain't going to cut it. So what has happened over the course of the last really 20 years since we've really started this financialization of, of the financial markets and, and turning it into a, a casino, a Wall Street casino for individuals, because this has become a, a massive grab bag for Wall Street to sell you product, and they have they have done a very good job at creating product. And if, and if you didn't realize that, 2020, 2021 should, should prove that to you when they were selling every IPO and SPAC that they could get their hands on because you had a bunch of money from the government to spend on it. Didn't work out well for you, but made, made Wall Street vastly wealthy. Just be careful when you when you think about a financial advisor. Be sure you choose one that offers more than just a passive index portfolio. That's not what you're paying a financial advisor for. You're paying a financial advisor to help you make better decisions about your money long term. Growing and protecting your wealth is also an important part of that, but it's not the only factor to consider. Be right back after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Let's go, girls. What do women want when it comes to finances? Join Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff for a special ladies' edition lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday, October 20th at noon. Get the most out of your Social Security benefits. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our next ladies' lunch and learn what women need from Social Security. Thursday. 
Thursday, October 20th at noon with Ratliff and Rosso, realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. All right, just kind of getting ready to, to wrap it up. I thought this was an interesting article out this morning, too. Uh, you know, these fishing competitions are a big heated thing, and two fishermen have been indicted on fel- – I had no idea that this could happen. I mean, cheating at anything is, is bad, right? So, but, had, but, again, when you really think about it, it's, it makes sense. Two fishermen have been indicted on felony charges of attempted grand theft, cheating – now, I don't know. Is there a law on cheating somewhere? For what? Uh, just in general? Just in, uh, is there? Well, try it on your taxes and see what happens. Well, I, I mean, like cheating at cards. I guess, I guess so if there's, if there's money involved. If there's cheating. money involved. Yeah, okay. And that's, that's why this rose to the level of Got a felony. It. Interesting. So, attempt, so they've been indicted on felony, grand charge, uh, felony charges of attempted grand theft, cheating, possession of criminal tools, which is, which is, and this is the really interesting part. The pay attention to this possession of criminal tools line and unfall, unlawful ownership of wild animals, which I thought was also interesting. So, um, so what they did was, is during the fishing competition and, you know, you, you win by, you know, catching the biggest fish and they weigh them and whoever has the, the, the heaviest fish wins this fishing competition. And, the prize was $28,000, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, $28,760 payout. It was a three-day fishing tournament. So they were stuffing their fish. They would catch fish, and then they would stuff them with lead weights and other fish. So, like, you know, they have, like, smaller fish that they'd cram inside the, the bigger fish to make it weigh more. And so they get caught with this, right? The criminal tools, this is the part I thought was interesting, the criminal tools that they were using to cheat um, that they were indicted on was their boat that they were using. So they had to use a boat to go fish, right? They couldn't cheat if they weren't having the boat. So that, that their boat, their fishing boat, has now been seized as evidence in the case. And, you know, now they're both going to, you know, go to jail for fishing. Can you see those guys in prison? Yeah, what are you in for? Cheating at fishing. <laughs> Yeah, those guys are toast. <laughs> Put those guys into a cell with some action murderer. You know, it's like, what are you in for? I murdered 12 people. What are you here for? Oh, I cheated at fishing. <laughs> guys are never going to make it. Never going to make it. Anyway, just don't cheat at fishing. The fishing is fun, right? Go fish. Enjoy yourself. It's 28,000. And, and, and honestly, you know, I, this is the whole Emily the criminal thing we talked about yesterday. Yes, yes. Um, you know, if you're going to steal, steal big, right? I mean, Bernie. Do, do, yeah, dude, <laughs> pull a $50 billion heist. You know, pull an Allen Stanford, you know, here in Houston, Texas. If you're right? going to do the time, million. make sure the crime's yeah. worth it. Yeah, and make sure you hide your money well. <laughs> Not that we're endorsing that kind of thing. Exactly. Although, you know, these, you know, cities around the country that have been just kind of lawless, lawless and, mm-hmm. you know, endorsing policies that lead to lawlessness. Yeah, yes. And I told you about my daughter's run into yeah, Walgreens yeah, recently. Yeah. 
So good for her. Five hundred thousand dollar heist in New York City. Um, people broke uh, this group of gangsters broke into a jewelry store very quick. Came in with sledgehammers, smashed the jewelry counters, stole it. Um, Five hundred thousand dollars worth. Here's the funny part about this, right? So they show the the video shows the heist, and then right across the street is this very tall residential tower. The reward for any evidence that leads to the arrest of these individuals is $3,500. Now think about this for just a moment. The jewelry store loses $500,000. The reward is $3,500. The building across the street is an apartment complex which houses one of the most expensive penthouses being sold to date right now. In fact, the median apartment costs tens of millions of dollars in this building. This building is what's called Billionaire's Row in New York. And these are just massive high rises, residential towers that just cost millions and millions and millions of dollars on one. Um, you know, so it's interesting that you really want you really want to catch these criminals. You're going to offer thirty five hundred dollars. I don't get out of bed in the morning for $3,500, much less I go track down criminals for $3,500. So, you know, I think you're going to have to up that reward a little bit. Might as well be 35 cents. Yeah, exactly. Especially there. Yeah. Right. Now, look, everything's insured. The jewelry company's like, whatever, they're going to get their money back. It's, it's fine. It's all insured. But, you know, again, I just thought it was kind of interesting because here it is in New York City, the smashing, broad daylight, too. They, yeah. they don't, it's nobody even cares anymore. Did you ever wonder what it was like living in the wild, wild west? Yeah. Well, we're no. there. Yeah, we're there. Yeah, we're there. All we need is uh, Judge Roy Bean. Exactly. Get a rope. So, <laughs> uh, Goldman uh, told to it. Uh, we're right in the middle of earnings announcements out this morning. Uh, Goldman Sachs just uh, produced better than expected results. Stocks trading up about two bucks uh, pre-market. CEO Goldman, uh, David Goldman, uh, Solomon, sorry, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, David Solomon, did a, a, a very interesting thing yesterday. They're reorganizing Goldman Sachs. And they're collapsing their four units into three. And, and what was interesting is um, you have to go back to 2008. Goldman Sachs is one of these white shoe investment banking firms and was always kind of that ilk, right? Just the, the, they, they, they provided their services to the rich and the famous. In 2008, as we were going through the financial crisis, in order to get bailout money, you had to be a bank, right? So this goes back to Ben Bernanke being an arsonist. So in order to get bailout money from the government, you had to be a bank. And so what everybody did, General Electric, Goldman Sachs, others, they all went and got bank charters to become a bank so they could get a bailout which is what Goldman did. So Goldman Sachs became a quote-unquote bank in 2008, and they got bailout money for it. Now, they said, well, since we got this bank charter, we have to do something with it because you can't just be a bank in name only. You've got to actually do some banking, right? You've got to provide some banking services. So they started this consumer credit division, kind of a banking division, of Goldman Sachs. 
And they've been running that now since 2008, 2009. They've come out with, you know, their banking product called Marcus, et cetera, so forth and so on. So this reorganization I thought was interesting because Goldman Sachs is now basically disbanding their consumer finance division and rolling it into other divisions of the company just to try it because it's the least profitable. There's no money in it. Surprise. <laughs> Everybody wants free banking services. I want free checking. I want free this. I want free that. I want free everything, right? Everybody wants something for free. There's no money in it, right? Where do they make their money? Trading and investment banking, right? That's where all their money is. So they're going to combine those two into to one big unit, which is going to be their revenue maker, the consumer credit division is basically just a loss leader now that is, is going to be a tax write-off for them more than anything else because it doesn't make any money. Surprise, people don't have money. The people that are using your products aren't the rich and the famous. The rich and the famous are using an American Express black, right? That's, that's what they're using. They're not using your Marcus card at Goldman Sachs. That's people with no money, and that makes no money. So I thought it was interesting. Microsoft, oh, so anyway, he also came out this morning. David Solomon says there's a very good chance of a recession, so it's time to be cautious. Again, as we were talking about earlier, the rate hikes that are coming have not been priced in yet. Those are still coming. Microsoft out this morning as well, announcing uh, that they're confirming now job cuts. And, you know, one thing we've talked about, is that individuals, the layoffs are coming, right? We, the first thing that happens is our hiring freezes. Then you get layoffs and terminations. And so we're getting to that point. We just haven't got there yet, but it's coming. Microsoft spokesperson on Monday confirmed that the company let go of additional workers as the software maker's revenue is expected to slow thanks to weaker sales of Windows licenses for PCs. Of course, you know, we had this surge in PCs in 2020, 2021, as we gave people checks and they all went home to buy computers and work from home, right? So now what happens, of course, is that's called pulling forward consumption. I may have bought a new computer, but I wasn't going to buy it last year, right? I was going to buy it in a couple of years. My, mine's, my computer's fine. It'll last a couple of years, then I'll buy a new one. But because you gave me money and are forcing me to work at home, I'm going to buy a new computer now. So we pull forward all those sales. Now there's this big slowdown in PC sales because everybody bought one. So you've got to go through this downturn. You've got to go through the aging of the computers, and then people will start buying them again. But, you, you know, you, you pull forward this consumption. That's the problem with economic growth that's coming. We still have this slowdown in economic growth coming because of the pull forward of demand. 2020, 2021 pulled forward about five years worth of consumption. So we're going to have to go through a slow period to work off that forward consumption. Like all companies, we evaluate our business priorities on a regular basis. We will continue to invest in our business and hiring key growth areas, but this is going to be a cut that is coming and more will be on the way. So there we go. All right. Wraps up the show for this morning get by the website realinvestmentadvice.com dow up 501 points right now s&p up uh, about 60 so gonna be a nice open this morning we'll see how we end up today we'll report it back to you tomorrow uh, be sure and get our daily market commentary we keep you up to date there every morning pre-market about what's going on and what we're looking at 
Also, newsletters out on the website and my latest blog post about the Fed rate hikes are going to break something. That's all on the website now, realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow.